I did not think I would make it to 30 episodes out here, but you know what? I'm glad that I did, and I'm glad that the shows I've done thus far have been enjoyable for the listeners out there. I appreciate all the guests who've been on this program thus far. So I wanted to do a special program today to discuss a pretty serious subject in my life and in the lives of all of you as well. Today's episode is titled The Love Movement, and I've been inspired by Tribe Called Quest's 1998 album with the same title, because I feel like the love movement, or movement for love, is very important more so now than ever before, because a lot of us tend to get caught up in what we see on social media, what we see by peers and our family, and we're always trying to figure out what is love, and how can we get it for ourselves. But I, it's kind of hard to define it if we don't really know what it really is. So with that being said, I'm sitting here with a friend of mine. And the reason why I got him on the show, because he's a logical cat. You know, I like where he is, you know, in, in, in life, in his own personal space. And I felt like, who else could I really have spoken to about this subject besides my brother here? And he is a uh, repeat offender uh, on, on the show. <laughs> Boom, my main man... Naj Kieda, welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me, man. Happy to be here. Welcome back. You know, so man, I saw him downstairs uh, before I brought him upstairs to record. I saw this hat and the sneakers. I'm like, man, I'm getting seasick up here, man. Aye. All all the waves, Aye. the waviness of the blue hats. It's called drip, baby. Just dripping out here, man. <laughs> precipitation, young precipitation out here. Just change yourself to little rain, be a SoundCloud rapper, yo. Little rain. Little drip drip. Oh shh. Not to do that. It could be a mixtape coming very soon. <laughs> little rain. <laughs> Fifteen tracks. Pure fire. All drips. All drip. We flooding y'all out here, man. Mm-hmm. All right, so my main man, I wanna get into the show. Yeah. And a question I have for you for my notes. Yeah. That I, you know. I'm able to read because my handwriting isn't as trash as it used to be. Is what does love mean to you? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I just finished. I think the first time I was on the show, I was actually I had actually just started the book, um, all about love. Bell hooks. Uh, here, yeah, just a. Um, it's a really good book. A friend of mine got me. Um, and. One of the things that I'm, I'm just going to steal Bell Hooks's definition um, because I think it's really good. But she said, love is being committed to the spiritual growth and, and nurturing the spirit of someone else. So, like, it really doesn't have anything to do with, like, um, romance or sex or kissing and hugging necessarily. But it's about being committed to the spiritual growth of of someone that you care about or something that you care about. Um, I guess things don't really have spirits, but I'm thinking about the world or the planet. <clears throat> so yeah, I like that definition um, because it, I think it informs and gives words to the way that I would like to live my life. Mm -hmm. um, 
I've been uh, in the process, like a lot of people, I think, lately, of stepping back and taking stock of the way I've lived my life up till now and um, rethinking it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, moving in a different direction with how I view myself, with how I view my abilities, with how I view my relationship to myself and my friends and my family and my community. Um, so yeah, I want to move through the world and project love. We were just talking about before we started recording, like, um, sort of like maybe not in so many words, but the idea of kind of feeling unsafe in, within the world. And I've reached a point where it's funny, like aside from like a few, a few very random times times where it almost seemed like a bit of a of a of a joke um i've never really had any like static like i've never had anybody bring me beef i've never i've been robbed maybe three times and it was really because i got caught slipping and you know causes and effects right but aside from those times like you know i've you know there's been times when i've been like walking from broad and eerie home Mm. at like three in the morning and Mad shit could have happened, but it didn't. Uh, you know, I've always been relatively safe in the world and had had no idea, had no reason to like to doubt my safety. And I guess part of that is be, is due to how I see myself in the world. You know, I think if you believe that, you know, some evil will befall you, if you're always bracing for evil or for wickedness, or for somebody to try to take advantage of you. Perhaps it makes it more likely that they will, because that's where your focus is, you know? The, the, the world is mental. Mm-hmm. The universe is mental. Like, everything, is, everything starts in your mind. Um, and so, for me, I'd like to make it a more intentional part of the way that I move through the world to, to approach everybody with as much love as I can. Yeah, like we said, that's not like some, like people, we have love, I think love is like easily the most misunderstood and and uh, it becomes it becomes trite the way that people talk about it. Mm-hmm. But obviously it's, it's like the most universal thing, you know? Love, love fuels creation. Like that's where creation comes from is, is the seed of love, like everything emanates from that. Like everything else mm-hmm. is subordinate to that, really. Um, right now, we kind of got life fucked up um, because I don't think people, like I said, it's misunderstood. And I don't think people, when people, I don't want to do a, a whole me and them thing, but when people talk about love or when people are expressing love, it becomes difficult because it's an abstract concept, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of things, like think certain things, look like love. Like we live in a world of images right now, right? Instagram and all this shit. You know, we 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 participate because we can't, we we right. can't, we can't not like. And it and it'd be foolish to like sit back and try to like abstain from this shit because we're it's all around us and it's gonna it's gonna something some part of it is gonna sweep you up in it right you know you're you're humans are social animals that's what we do but like there's a lot of things that 
are based on what is apparent, mm-hmm. what something looks like, as opposed to what the true nature of, of it is. And so love is one of those things where like, we do a lot of things and there are certain things that look like love. You know, there's giving someone an expensive present, a piece of jewelry or whatever, that looks like love. A brand new car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's not, that's that doesn't always mean love. Like a lot of things, we got a lot of things twisted and people, regardless of what they say, desire love on a very deep level. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's, it's really what constitutes the world. It's what's, what makes the world. So yeah, I mean, that's a really long-winded answer, but I, I think it's being committed to, to the, the spiritual growth of, of a person that you care for. And if, you know, there's no limit to who you can care for, I guess. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going to get to that point later in the show. Another question yeah, yeah, for yeah. you, right? So when I think about your uh, definition of love mm-hmm. versus it versus. Well, it's, it, let me credit Bell. It's oh, Bell Hooks. Bell it's Hooks. Bell Hooks but, but yeah, but like I'm going to run with that. Both your, yeah, your ideas and what yeah. you learned from Bell Hooks. Yeah. Love to me, though it was abstract, there was always some kind of visual representation of what they said love was. Mm-hmm. In terms of even in the music that I listen to, mm-hmm. like R&B from like, I guess from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, because my parents were young, so a lot of the music that they listened to was my stuff. Yeah. So I could listen to a Sade or like uh, The Whispers. Yeah. Maybe from Philly, The Whispers. Yeah. You know, um, if you, or Frankie Beverly and Maze, you know, the song Shine, and it's, it's various songs I can yeah. pinpoint from everybody yeah. about what love was. Yeah. And I was like, man, it seems like the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. Like, how can I attain it? You know, even just like watching TV, because I was like, wow, so my parents were together, you know, and had this notion of what I thought love actually was yeah. versus what it actually is yeah. to me now. Because yeah. honestly, I felt like, yeah, I had love for my family. Of course, mom, dad, they got you, grandparents, cool. Family members, they got you, cool. But in terms of friendship, friends, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that kind of love was until college. Yeah. Because I have, you know, my homie uh, Chris, who I've known since, like, my sophomore year. I've known you since my sophomore Sophomore year. Yeah, Yeah. riding that damn R5 train. Shout Mm -hmm. out to Thornsdale and Paoli, I think. Yeah, Thornsdale and Paoli line. Yeah, all day. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Represent. Lord of mercy, Wagwan. So like, uh, so I'm going through, you know, these moments. And then for me to understand what romantic love was, mm-hmm. that to me was like the biggest hurdle. Mm-hmm. Because there was a catch to it. I didn't know this. You know, I was trying to find different girls to date. Didn't really rock out. But, you know, I had my one. I mean, look, I had a couple of relationships here and there, but I count my last one as like the real, real one. Cause, yeah. it, cause it, it had weight to it and it lasted, you know? Yeah. So like that was something that I learned a lot about, but here is the catch to romantic love. You cannot have romantic love. Well, you can, but it won't really work out for you. If you don't have a grasp of who you are, nor do you have love for who you are. Yep. Cause yep. that's the only way that yep. it can truly work. Cause yep. to me, I'm like, I'm out here, boom, pow, I can do what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. But, when you have these insecurities about you, yep. 
they'll raise their head in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And as time can grow on, if these things aren't checked, mm-hmm. you know, um, they can metastasize right. and make a relationship that was founded on beauty, founded on love, and just ruin everything. Right. So I really had to break everything down to figure out what love truly is. Love is acceptance, is tolerance. It's the ability to go beyond yourself to accept what isn't changing mm-hmm. and be fine with it. Uh, let, me, let me clear it up because it may sound a bit jumbled. But for example, if you know someone um, has had an addiction to a drug of some sort, and you're with the person now, and that they're no longer on it. And that person, you love the person of every spirit of your being. Like you can't have any conditions on that. The person, uh, they're who they are right now, and they went through their obstacles. They went through that personal jungle, and they came out a survivor, mm-hmm. and they're pushing to better themselves. It's like you can't be, you can't love them with the condition of oh. They went through that, so I can't dig it. You, you got to be able to take them as they are. Because at the same time, like, you may not have all your shit on point, so you want somebody to take you as you are as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that balance. Yeah. So that's the thing that I had to truly, truly understand. And also being able to look outside myself and be able to have love for everyone despite their backgrounds, despite mm-hmm. what they're into, because we all need love and we all deserve love. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I don't have to be too long-winded, but... It's okay. That's what we do here. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so, like, there was a moment that happened in January 2017 or 2016. It's one of the cold-ass months, you know, and a young lady who I used to be cool with, you know, it was like it's, a, it's like, like a homegirl. Mm-hmm. We went to lunch or dinner one night, and she was on this path of trying to get herself on point. Now, she had this book written by like, this, uh, this Buddhist monk or priest, and I, she was like pretty much really into this book. But side note, I feel like sometimes people can get stuck into books without really getting the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. Like people can mm-hmm. give really, like, I love what he's talking about, but, sure, but some people can still miss the entire point mm-hmm. of what's being said. Mm-hmm. So I said to her, I said, I believe that everyone deserves love. And she disagreed and got kind of combative about it. And she said, but he says in the book, that's not the case. And I'm, and I'm, I'm reading, I'm looking at the guy's face and I'm reading the title of his book. And I said, I, in my mind, I wasn't going to argue about it. I said, but his book is talking about that. Mm-hmm. If you're in the act of, you know, if you're a uh, you know, practicing Buddhist or you're into some of these like Eastern philosophies or religions, they talk about how we're all one, all part of the same source. Mm-hmm. So if you are deserving of love, then you fellow man and woman. You, how can someone else not be? Exactly. Right. So it got to a point that she got so combative about it. I got up from the restaurant and I dipped. I paid my way, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, brother's still going to tip out these streets. But I dipped because I felt like there was no point in arguing yeah. over the idea that love should be for everyone. As we all know, the young brother, Triple um, X, lost his life mm-hmm. this past Monday. For me, the first thing I said was, wow, that's effed up. Not because of his celebrity or who he was. It's that, you know, we come up, we see the news that young brothers take the lives of young brothers all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a cycle of senseless violence, and you know I just hate it any time that I see it, he see it occur. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, for as long as I've been privy to him, I, I know some of his music, but I didn't really listen to it like that. 
until recently is to see where where he was, mm-hmm. cre- you know, creatively. But you know, if you watch the news, his name he was always being mentioned, if not for like his his actions, but allegedly abusing his uh, ex girlfriend. You know, there was things that he did that were heinous acts that I would never condone because that's not my spirit to be that kind of a person. Mm-hmm. But when he died, I didn't take it upon myself to become the judge and the juror. I saw that there were moments where he was trying to get himself in a better place. He was trying to do things, be more charitable. He was also a proponent for, for mental health. And he had a bunch of kids out there who loved him for that. You know, kids who, who felt like, yo, I don't know if I want to make it. He may say, he may have make a video that says, yo, keep going. Don't give up, love yourself, get to the point of who you are. And look at him, that comes from someone who probably had those same issues in his life. Yeah. You know? So again, like I said, like I had compassion for him because I don't, I don't know what his life was like. Yeah. I don't know what <clears throat> what it was like in his household. I know mm-hmm. I think he said his, his dad um, his dad's in Jamaica. I don't know if it says that somebody says his dad was incarcerated. I don't know, right? But there's always different things people are saying. Yeah. But these are all things I have to take into account because if I don't know your life story and I don't know what contributed to you being the way you are, yeah. then I can't judge you. And I, I can't judge anybody, period. Because it's just not because there's things in my life that somebody probably can judge me on. Yeah. And you know, also just, just, to, just to like end this point, on social media, you know, when, after he died, people were like, what about his victims? The victims deserve compassion. The victims deserve this. And I don't feel sad that he died. I'm one person, one, one individual, you know, and, you know, I'm not feeling a point. Wrote this whole giant paragraph. I know what he did, blah, blah, blah. And a person asked, should I be saddened by what happened to him? And the fact that you have to ask that question already tells me that you have the thoughts out in your mind that you don't think you should be. Right. So if that's the case, why ask that question? But here's my approach. Just because I have compassion towards him and what happened to him does not mean that I don't have compassion for his alleged victims or the girlfriend who was abused. Well, here's the thing. I think this comes back to, again, our misunderstanding of of love, right? Right. And love doesn't mean giving somebody, like, it doesn't mean patting them on the back all the time. Right. Here's, I mean, I, I recognize those same arguments and I was... You know, I've found them problematic, but also I have to respect my space as a man um, and understand that, you know, to a certain extent, like we were talking about a little bit before we started recording, that there are certain um, trends in our behavior as, as social beings that see um, years and years and years of women occupying a certain space. And so we understand now that as, um, I guess, the, the issue of... Um, women's rights becomes maybe more mainstream mm-hmm. um, that women are are speaking up about things and pissed off rightfully so about things mm-hmm. and so every action has equal and opposite reaction and so this may just be the beginning of a tidal wave of women kicking the shit out of us you know mm-hmm. and it's deserved um, right. on a on a on a macro level it's deserved right however um, my problem is that, like I said to you before, we have not, like, we are creating this space that is a punitive space, you know, where, you know, people deserve to, people who commit uh, violent acts or criminal acts need to be punished for them, right? Mm-hmm. But this just perpetuates the same shit world that we've always been living in, a, a world where people are punished and thrown out. Where's the space for, for 
for restorative practice? Where's this, where's the space to, to, to create stable family structures, to create healthy relationships among men and women? Yes, I do agree that part of it has to come as a result of like kicking the shit out of some out of people sometimes. But perhaps love means that you can both mourn the loss of a, of someone who's gone before their time violently and hold them accountable for the to, for the heinous things that they did in while they were alive. Love means holding people accountable too. Right. Right? Love means setting boundaries. You know, because you I think you you kind of hinted at this before like when we, when you were saying, you know, if you don't love yourself, you can't maintain good relationships. Well, it was clear that X didn't love himself enough. Exactly. Because the thing is, if like like we have said, people all come from the same source. Whether you agree with their bullshit or you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're walking around in a MAGA hat or not. You're the same, you're the same motherfucker they are. And, and that's, uh, that may be hard for people to hear, but that's really the truth. You're the same as all these other people. Everyone that you see, everyone that you see walking down the street is in some way a reflection of you. So... You know, perhaps true loving practice is understanding that, yes, this is, a, this is terrible. This is a sad thing. 20-year-olds should not be shot in cold blood. Like, that's just not what, how we should be living. But also, by the same token, 20-year-olds should not be beating and raping women. Right. You know? Perhaps, the, like, these things aren't mutually exclusive. And I think it's really, I understand that it's a, it's a sign of anger and it's a sign of, of rage, with the state of the union and the state of affairs currently, but also, like I said, are we trying to perpetuate the same old shit world that we're living in? Or do are we trying to create something new? And, you know, I can't really control what other people do, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put into effect in my life, is that, you know, people are gonna do what they're gonna do, and it's really not my responsibility to try to, like, control them mm-hmm. or 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 show or be the martyr to show them the right way i mean i just there's a quote i found that was basically saying like the the true activism is working on yourself is is figuring out how to be the best version of yourself and project the most love that you can to other people mm-hmm. and to have them make the decision on their own to say oh wow that person is like really doing it the right way what are they doing? Right. You know, and it's not a comparison thing. It's just about being an example. You know, leading by example. Cause, you know, I I have a lot of love for my social justice warriors and and people who are out there doing the work. And it's this is not this is not you know what it all is. But there is there's a pointlessness in arguing with people because arguments aren't to win people over to your side. Who's ever, who's ever gotten somebody they were in a shouting match with to agree with them after the fact? Like, oh, yeah, maybe. I mean, it happens. It happens. But, like, that's not how this normally works. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine um, the other night, and we were talking about how, um, you know, we just can't pay attention to all this negative shit anymore and, re- and react to it. And... Honestly, like that's what it is. Like I'm not. That's that's me practicing self love. For as long as this country's been around, there are people that have tried to act as if other people are subhuman, mm-hmm. or aren't human in the same way. But 
the facts are staring them in the face, aren't they? They're as obvious as every breath that I take. Like you can you can sit some guy can come up to me and tell me that like I'm black so I'm not the same as him or I'm I'm lower or I'm more base than him or something. But I'm standing here staring in your face, breathing the same air you breathe. Mm-hmm. The fuck is the point? Why why should I even why should I even worry about people who are doing that type of mental gymnastics? Because at the root it all comes back, they don't love themselves enough. And they're they're living in fear because they don't love themselves enough and they don't understand how to go about loving themselves enough. Right. It's not my problem anymore what people what other people say or do. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I care for them greatly. Um, and I want to always extend myself to people who who would ask for my help. But also you gotta understand that that's not always possible. You'll 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 end up giving yourself to everyone and have nothing left for you. And I think again that comes back to self love, you know, like you know, I always point to the to the really disturbing trend of like when there was so much marching going on a few years ago in the city that like people were getting sexually assaulted at marches. Are we building a new world or are we maintaining the same bullshit? You know? Like what are, what's the interest here? Are we do we do we want to crumble the power structure to be in power ourselves, or do we want to figure out how to make it more equitable for everyone else? And that's again back to love. I'm thinking back to a lot of these initiatives, you know, different forms of activism, and I'm thinking about call-out culture. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the punitive space. I feel like we at times focus too much on the two extremes, meaning either it's right or it's wrong. And if you do something wrong, we're not truly understanding why it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, if it just seems wrong, off with his head, get him out of here. Like, there's been times, like, for example, like the Kanye West thing, when he made his statements, right? First of all, I don't know Kanye West from a, from a, you know, from a can of paint. That's old school slang for y'all, I don't know. But when he made those statements about you know him wearing a MAGA hat, him having the hat autographed by Trump, and then stating on TMZ that slavery is a choice. I was offended by that statement at first, but then I realized, my dude, the dude is definitely like, something's going on somewhere. Yeah, can I just say, I, so that thing is really interesting to me because um, as I walk my path, uh, I believe more and more that things are both and rather than either or. Right. And so there's definitely some truth to the statement that slavery, quote unquote, is a choice. Like certain types of slavery, yes, are yes. a choice. And I think that Kanye, I think, I think a lot of people know this about me, but I'm not a fan of Kanye. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it goes back to the fact that um, I'm a really intuitive person. I never really understood that, but I'm like. I, I'm the type of person that notices other people uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it makes me uncomfortable. Same. Like yeah. I'll see, like like we were just talking about someone before the before <laughs> before the show, mm-hmm. and I've noticed that he makes other people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's not that he makes me uncomfortable, but I see the reaction that other people have to him, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, but the point of that is that I think I could detect early on that Kanye is battling very desperately because 
here we go again. I don't think he loves himself enough or knows how. And I think Kanye has always wanted, he's always craved this approval from white whiteness and white America. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that at that that interview he had where he was talking about he was going off. It was so it was hilarious at the at the time. But the thing is, Kanye is Kanye is very much a sad clown, you know, mm. because he'll go off and he'll do have these rants. But you realize really it's that he's calling out for help and he now has a platform to do that people will you know will gladly give him the microphone to speak and don't don't really understand or don't care because it's lucrative that he's saying listen i need help i need someone to 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 treat me like a human being and no really no one treats him like a human being not even his own wife they're 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 objects to each other in the in really the most poisonous sense of the word they are objects to each other and it sometimes makes me makes me very sad that they have children um but yeah he just doesn't he doesn't love himself and i can i can detect it i can see it you know that whole rant about the fendi jogging pants and and how they, he wasn't being taken seriously at fashion week or by whoever and it's and it's like yeah bruh that's the name of the game. No shit, Sherlock. Facts. Like, like, do you understand like what this stuff is built on? It's basically built on excluding your ass. That's why people like it. Because that's why people like luxury fashion. Because it's because it means I don't have to be bothered with you in my day to day. You're a plebeian. I don't. Very elitist. Very bourgeois. Exactly. Yes. Like the. And for a lot for. A lot of the world, elitism means that black people, people of color, occupy the lowest rung of society, you know? And I think a lot of people buy into that, you know? And they, like, that, like, like you said, like, we were joking around, like, the drip, like, you know, I love to dress. I like to wear clothes and shit, but, like... I just like to wear clothes because that makes my journey through the world that much more fun, that much more interesting. I could, I mean, I just, I like what I like. I could give a fuck about, you know, really what other people have to say about it. I do it because I want to do it. And, you know, it, everything, everything's a, a sign. Everything it signifies something now, you know? So, and everything has always signified something. So, like, you know, that's that's what those big brands do that they signify a certain type of lifestyle certain types of beliefs i find i find it fun to like play with that stuff and turn it on turn it on its head like mm-hmm. you know i always get people who who like think i'm one way because i look a certain way you know mm-hmm. they think i value certain things because i look a certain way and yeah i'm you know i'm i might have value for certain things but also i'm a thinking ass motherfucker Right, big more, thoughts. More to the story. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned fashion and such. I watched a documentary um, maybe a week and a half ago, yeah. and it was titled "The Gospel According to Andre." Yeah, as in three stacks. Well, well, he, he got us have three names. His name was Andre Leon Talley. Oh, oh, that one. Yes. Ooh, that that big Dre, big Dre, tall big Dre. Dre, tall yeah, Dre. Yes. yeah, yes, yeah. That's my guy. He's a Yo, shout out Andre Leon Talley. Like, t- 
Talk about dudes that I just read an article about him. Funny enough, talk. I think he used to he used to be the editor of Vogue. I think he worked with yeah, he worked with uh, Diana Vreeland and of course Anna Wintour. Yeah, and all. yeah, yeah. And I feel like I feel like the article that I read was trying to say that like low key, but not low key like motherfuckers blackballed him on some shit. I don't know. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's all good because like if it, it, it kind of it goes into the documentary, you know, he just it, it like it's different chapters. It's told in chapters. Yeah. And he discusses you know, his, him growing up in Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, being supported by his grandmother. He had better relationship with his grandmother than he did have with his mother. Mm-hmm. Himself, his mother didn't want to be seen with him like in church yeah. because he he was flamboyant with his style. Yeah. But his grandmother was always his supporter. Yeah. So you know, you know, went to college and all that. Met Andy Warhol. Yeah. And he was he was in these circles. Yeah, yeah. He was on the scene. He right. was on the scene, big time. And for and for you know for a black man at that time period in the fashion world to do what he was doing. Yeah, you gotta respect his hustle and the doors he opened for others. Absolutely. You know, he styled you know different uh, different uh, photo shoots, editorials with, with a lot of like miles of color. Yeah. Just amazing. But there was times when. Even while he was out there, so Kanye talked about you know how he was you know these uh, leather jogging pants and trying to get into fashion. We had somebody who was actually there, yeah, who was on the ground trying to put in work. He even mentioned how during the time when he was uh, working with he, with these fashion publications, that someone called him Queen Kong. Yeah, 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 Queen Kong. You know, just to infer that he was gay. And him being black, big and black, yeah, you know, yeah, gay gorilla, Queen yeah. Kong, and someone else spread the rumor about him saying that he slept with every designer, right? Yeah, you know, out there to get in to where he was at, and dude said, I said I didn't do none of that stuff. Yeah, he said I worked hard and I knew, I knew what I was doing, and I'm making my way this way. But his documentary was about love as well, mm-hmm. in his own way, you know, loving the craft, loving himself despite all the things that he had faced mm-hmm. and still managed to find himself in a place where he's at right now. Yeah. You know, it's an ongoing thing. Loving yourself goes on and on and on. And he's damn near 70 now. Yeah. You know, and he's still, I, I can tell he's still finding ways to keep the love going for himself, despite whatever accolades he may have, may have accomplished. Mm-hmm. So speaking of documentaries, I, that was a documentary weekend for me. So I flipped that. It might have been a day or two later. I went to go see uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Mr. Rogers' documentary. Oh, wow. I forgot about. I forgot that was out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's out right now um, in the Ritz Theaters. Mm. So let me tell you, from off the jump, it was a few times in the theater where I got emotional, bro. Because mm. as a kid, we all watched Mr. Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the fly cardigans. Yeah, the khakis and what was it? were they cats? Yeah, the cats or yeah, the converse. Yeah, yeah the no, cats. they were cats. They were, they were cats. cats. They were definitely cats. He had various colors of the cats too. He was fly on, on the low. Yeah. So we had this show. We had this guy who wanted to be a preacher. He wanted to go to seminary school. Mister Rogers did. Yeah. Wow. And instead, he watched TV for the first time. He didn't really watch TV like that. Right. He's watching some show. And he said, "You know what? We need that show show for kids." And his parents was like, "You don't even watch TV." So what, what do you know about it? But he decided to go in and create a show for kids, and that's exactly what he did. 
The thing about Mr. Rogers that I appreciate now more than ever before is that do you realize that Mr. Rogers, the lyrics of his songs, do you know how, how ill they were? If we think back to songs like uh, the last song on the show, you know, it's a good feeling knowing you're alive. It's just a happy feeling, you know, going inside and you wake up ready to say, um, I'm going to make a snappy new day. Dude, it's such a good feeling knowing you're alive. It's about being present. Exactly. And he had songs talking, telling us as kids they liked us for who we were. Yeah. And you love yourself for who you are. Yeah. And I sat there in the theater with a flashback to a time period in my life where I felt like I didn't have self-love. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It was my teenage years, yeah. of course, man. So I sat there in the theater looking up at the ceiling. While I'm listening to the song, I'm like, nah, man. Um, nah, man, ain't up in the theater right now. Fuck life. Ain't doing this, ain't yeah. doing this. But I was like, I said, man, scratch all that. So I'm in this theater with all these people, and I'm sure we're all feeling the same exact way yeah, totally. about what we're seeing. So if you ever remember Mr. Rogers, there was a, a black cop on the show. Yeah. Officer Clemens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His real name was Francois Clemens. He was like a Broadway actor. He could sing his ass off. He was sing on the show. Yeah. But, he was, but real life, he was gay. So, of course... Somebody spotted him at a gay club in New York or wherever the show's being being filmed at. And once word got back, Mr. Rogers, he was like, yo, you can't go to some clubs anymore because you might lose sponsorship. And Mr. Rogers wasn't saying like what he was doing was wrong. He was just saying that, yo, he knows how people are gonna trip out. Yeah. So one day they were singing, and Mr. Rogers was singing to him. He said, you know, I love who you are. You're a good person. You know, and I love you who you are. One of Mr. Rogers' songs. Yeah. He was singing to him. And Officer Clemens said to him, I guess it may have been a rehearsal or whatever. He said to him, said, hey, man, were you singing to me in that song? And Mr. Rogers said something to him, and it hit me. It was, it was, it was ill. He said, I've been singing to you for the past two years, and you finally heard me. That I loved, loved you for who you are the entire time. He said, and you start crying on the camera. So we all like, yeah. damn, it's, it's about to be a water fest in here, right? Yeah. So he said, man, he said he had never had anybody, any man in his life that gave him love like that on, on, on that kind of emotional level. Yeah. So he made, he's like, yo, he said, Fred became like my surrogate father. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yo. Growing up, for my personal issues, you know, me going dealing with the height shit and not feeling like I belonged anywhere. Plus, I have my own anxiety issues too. Mm-hmm. Still got them. Still got some syndrome I got. I got to work on. I felt like, you know, my parents may say something different when I say this statement, but they got to understand like where I'm coming from in this perspective. Yeah. Like I didn't know what self love was back then. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I needed it back. I didn't know how badly I needed it back then. Mm-hmm. Cause I was going through the motions, dude. I mean, yeah. being in high school with peers, I'm like trying to like fit in with these different groups, yeah. and it wasn't working. If so I had one homie, cause like you black, I'm black, you know, and that dude was like backbiting the hell out of me, yeah. like to the point of like telling people I was saying this, saying that, because he had an issue with me. Mm-hmm. But in reality, as time went on, I peeped that he had an issue with himself, right? 
I mean, the things people say about you negatively are the things that they're saying about themselves. Facts. You know? Facts. And, you know, I, I think that was a reason why I was so guarded. Mm-hmm. I was so, like, ready to fight and so angry. I didn't trust mm-hmm. people because I'm college, man. College was the first time I actually had, had my first heartbreak. Yeah. So we're talking about love and all that. Like, that was the first time that I was like, yo, I actually got played mm-hmm. by this. Like, this girl I thought was awesome. Yeah. Hooked up with my homie, and I said, what? Yeah. And a part of me, even though, like, things seemed to be smoothed down for a bit, I never forgot that. And that's so why I was like, I maintained, like, an anger toward her until I left college. And, but back then, I had no idea what emotions were, what they really were. Mm-hmm. Like, I look, I look, dude, I know what happy, sad is. You know, I know what a smiley face is. I've seen Sesame Street enough before to tell you what a smiley face looks like, what an angry face is. I got emojis. You tell me what, what emotions were, I can tell you what they are. But I didn't really know what they were. I didn't know that you knew that I had to know how to control them, how to funnel them. I, had, I didn't know that it wasn't healthy yeah. to, like, bottle this shit up. Because yeah. when it bottles up and it explodes, nothing good happens from that. Mm-hmm. And it may leave you in a place that's more detrimental than you were before. No, absolutely. Um, one of... I think we touched on this when I when I was here before, that um, I was raised fairly similarly to a lot of kids, but <clears throat> there were some no, there were some very notable differences mm-hmm. that aren't those aren't really worth getting into individually. But um, they caused me to as a young per, as a younger person, they caused I guess some heartache. And because it was very difficult to relate to my peers in in the fullest sense at times, right. in the ways that kids do, you know, shared interests mostly, or like toys. We we both got the same toy or some shit, or we both watched the same TV show. Mm-hmm. But what I realized later is that whether they were intentional or not, my parents were doing something um, in the way of creating the person that I am today. And uh, with perspective, I'm able to look back on that and be very grateful for that. Um, Because like we were talking about um, before we started recording, I never really, you know, there things like love obviously are abstract and they're difficult to pin down. Emotions are abstracts that are di- kind of difficult to pin down exactly. Um, but I, w- I was never placed, I was never put in a place where I didn't feel loved. I, would ne- I, never, question, I never had to question that. And I w- I'm very, very extremely grateful that that was my existence as a child, that that's still my existence. My, I, I never have had to question my parents' love for me, and I don't mean that in terms of, like, material things or um, whatever, but mm-hmm. they, you know, 
they've of course gone the extra mile for me in that in that respect but in terms of like love I've never questioned that um I remember very strangely uh a friend of when I was young a friend of mine was visiting the house and um something I think my my dad was leaving my dad traveled a lot when I was a kid uh and I think my dad was leaving for a trip and my dad gave me a kiss um and this friend was like what the fuck like what like and made fun like proceeded to like make fun of me like went back to school and was like yo this nigga's dad kisses him like what the fuck but and it it, it i was mortified you know i was really mortified i was like like cuz it and it was and it also didn't make any sense to me it was like this is what normally happens in my house like why would that be why would that doesn't everyone's dad do that right. doesn't everyone's dad give them hugs and show them affection what this is a big deal and you know what i've realized now is that no no you know mm-hmm. uh, back to x like part a lot i i know that a lot of peers of ours um have loads of issues with fathers that didn't necessarily show them affection Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to look at my own upbringing as like um, again just a real blessing because uh, it it showed me how how to love and it showed me how to um, how to treat people with with concern and, and respect um, kind of unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were times that were really very difficult, but just because the world is moving one way doesn't mean the world is moving the right way. It's very important to follow, you know, and it's, it's you know, people say this all the time, but, you know, what does it actually mean and do, does anyone actually take heed of it? But it's very important to acknowledge the way that you are going, whether it is, with everyone else, whether it is against everyone else, whether it needs to be one or the other. That's another thing, discernment. You know, sometimes it's it behooves you sometimes to, to go with the flow. Some things come a lot easier when you go with the flow, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's important to take stock of what you're, what direction you're walking and appreciate it. And keep walking in that direction because you're going that way for a reason right mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I just I, I think about that and I think about just loving practice and I think that's probably the key of it all is that a lot of people just they don't have the examples all the time and it doesn't mean that they come from a stable two parent quote unquote stable two parent household or it doesn't really mean any of that shit. It just means that you have someone in your life consistently that leads by example once again. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 gives you or demonstrates to you what loving practice looks like. Um, you know, I just got lucky there. Mm-hmm. I got extremely lucky. You know, well, not both. Because I mean, that's what I was. Um also, before recording, I mentioned to you how I had my last Saturday 
was like such an interesting yeah. situation. I had these back-to-back combos yeah. with people who gave me different points of game. Mm-hmm. The one guy I mentioned, my buddy, um, who I'll have on the show soon, um, he mentioned that how depression is linked to past uh, problems, past afflictions, mm-hmm. and anxiety is just worrying about the future. It's mm-hmm. set to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I had that conversation with my buddy Reef the Lost Cause, who was a guest on the show as well, and he mentioned, no, we were, we were just talking about this life in general. And I told Shout him- Shout out Lost Cause, by the way, Philly legend. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a great dude, man. Awesome father, all that. So I remember uh, having the conversation with him outside, mentioning the Chris Rock joke. Man, I love my people, but I hate niggas. Mm. And you know, for for a minute, I'm not going front. Like, if you watch World Star, I'm like, man, these niggas is crazy, right. and all these different things. But I dialed that back when I said to him, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, well, uh, I remember that joke. Well, like, you know, Chris Rock said that joke, but I'm like, niggas need love too. And he was like, word. I said, mm-hmm. yes. Because we are so quick to toss people away, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. We're so quick to ignore people and act like, oh, this motherfucker, man, he's acting, acting out, of, out of context, out of control, out of pocket, get him out of here, boom, that's it. But we never take into account what was present and what wasn't present. Mm-hmm. And we, we have the, the privilege and, and I guess the entitlement to assume that, oh, I know how my household was, that if I had this in my household, you probably had the same thing. Yeah, It's not the People case. People are not coming out, like there's, there's no rubric, you know? There's no, there's no fucking book on how to be a parent, right? There's none, especially if you don't know how to be a parent yourself, mm-hmm. and you bring another person into this world. Right. Like I, I've seen all these kids on like on Scared Straight. When I wasn't laughing at it, it wasn't the kids. Like I said to you before, mm-hmm. it was outlandish prisoners. Yeah. You yeah. know. But there's a reason they're there. Right. You know, and the kids were there, and a lot of these kids are hurt. Yeah. Because the mom got a brand new dude, yeah. the mom got got another kid, and the kid and the one kid's feeling left out yeah. in the mix, so he's responding and doing all that he can to get attention. He's acting out. He cries for help. Cries, cries for, for help. help. Cries for help often manifest themselves as you know, antisocial or violent or criminal behavior. Right. Because look at the kids. Like that kid, Takashi six nine. Takashi six nine. Trolls nonstop. His entire body is like six nine tattoos nonstop. I just, I gotta I, I honestly I th- I swear to God I think he's a Fed. I think he's I think he is a police plant. Honestly, I think I think he's hip hop cops. Hip hop cops. I swear to God. I don't. I think he's like he like everything about. Also, yo, he's literally the corniest person ever. Like he's so like. He has the the swag is like what what why did you decide to wear that fam like you got bread now like what's going on with you but yeah like I think I honestly I feel like he's hip hop cops the way like he he's trying to bait somebody into like clapping at him like what who is this guy but anyway continue continue I'm sorry your side note like. Out here buying women like expensive fanny packs. Yeah, Gucci. Gucci. You buy somebody's somebody's baby mama a Gucci fanny pack. Wow, wow. Okay, 
guess that's the price of the ticket these days. I don't know. Oh, but all right, so okay, so cool. So like, <laughs> yeah. so let's assume he's not a hip hop cop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. You see somebody like that? I remember seeing pictures of this kid years ago. Yeah, and he looks like a regular ass kid, right? Nice little, nice little. Nice, nice little tenth grader, you know. Yeah, hey, sweet buddy. little tenth grader. Hey, buddy, my haircut's it's normal, <laughs> right? Then all of a sudden, you see him like this tattooed rainbow hair, gold teeth, and like these crazy teeth in his mouth, and people get so upset by this young man. They get, they get, they hate him. I hate Takashi. Hope he gets killed. Like people say some really foul shit, right? But to me, I'm like, you guys don't see. It's for attention. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't understand. People would look at Instagram. Right. And what's the best way to get attention, particularly in this day and age? Negativity. Negativity. Outlandish nobody gives shit. Like, nobody cares about, like, like world star. Like, do you know how many times somebody has linked me to a video of somebody fighting on world star and I've watched it all the way through? Getting the ass beat in a Dairy Queen? Yeah. Like, do you know how many times I, wa- I, I watched, how much time I spent looking for the video of, uh, uh, Uzi flexing on Rich the Kid or in the South Street Starbucks. Like I, I wasted definitely two hours like trying to find a better view, a better angle of, of Rich the Kid getting punched. In 4K. Yeah, and it's like not like yeah, what is it? What's the what's the saying? Uh all publicity is good publicity or something like that? Yeah. Straight up. Like cause I mean this and this is what it's about. It's like this is what happens. Like again, like we said, we we can't the only way out is through, right? Mm-hmm. And we can't extract ourselves from all this shit. Like we can't pull ourselves out. Like it's I think it it's it misses the point to try to like pull yourself out of like mass culture. You know, who like who the fuck is going to go to the woods like HD Thoreau or something, live in a cabin? Like and please, a motherfucker finds you out there anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So like but it's important to be critical of that shit and understand and see where it's like it's like there any kind of therapeutic practice. Like when I first started therapy, like it was about noticing the negative a negative pattern and saying, No, I'm gonna pull myself away from that. You know, I'm gonna extract that doesn't that's not the narrative that I need to live by. That's not what needs to be the case. And so, you know, it's it becomes about, you know, we're inundated with all these negative things and, and negativity sells. But it's about saying, All right, I've seen enough of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose a different path right now, you know? Um yeah, so much stuff came up from what you were just saying. It it just all it goes back to like just not enough love, you know? Um like you were, we were talking earlier about your homegirl that was, you know, really pressed about relationships and marriage and and all this stuff. And I always feel really strange because, yeah, there are times when I'm like, I mean, and I've had my share of like long term relationships, but also and and serious ones. <laughs> Not all long term relationships are serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I'm super not pressed about it right now because I think. Part of what the work that needs to be done, if you desire that type of thing, is to build the love that you have for yourself. Like we were saying, like relationships become toxic if you don't love yourself. Like they become think they become you trying to prove 
or earn the love that you don't have for yourself and you know get that from another person and there's no way that they can give that to you you know if you love yourself enough the ideal situation is that like you have someone and you love them and perhaps they leave you would if you love yourself enough it wouldn't really matter you know you might miss the person and it might hurt for some time but also you understand that you remain because you're full, you're complete within yourself, right? Um, and yeah, I, I think so many people like so kind of aggressively pursue coupling and relationship stuff because they're seeking love that wasn't given to them. Bell Hooks talks about that in this book. They're seeking love that wasn't given to them perhaps from their family unit and they're seeking love that they don't have for themselves. And none of the another person can't replicate that and it's not really not their job to replicate that for you it's their job to love you in the way that they can the best way that they can but like another person can't do that for you i there's this really good quote from the book um by maya angelou and she says um is never lonesome it's never lonesome in babylon and it sounds it sounds like oh that's kind of that's a nice thought, but actually, she's she's taking like that that Rastafarian idea of Babylon, like Babylon is a place of wickedness and corruption, and people who are trying to suck your soul, and she's saying that in a place like this, people are pressed into such fear and and loneliness that. They want they like they are they're compulsively seeking companionship and attachment and partnership, but it's it's really only in very surface ways. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and like act like there's anything necessarily wrong with like, you know, people loving each other for short periods, one night stands, whatever. Like that's you know, as if it's respectful between both people, that's cool. But the point is, is that. It becomes it can become an addiction, you know, like dating apps and all this stuff, just dating the date. Like, that's cool. I'm not going to shade nobody for doing that. Live your life, like be who you want to be. I just know for me right now, it, it doesn't interest me. Because, you know, again, being a person that comes from a very uh stable and loving environment and stable and loving family life with people who affirm me. Mm -hmm. I understand a certain, um, a certain model of love that is foreign to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I need perhaps um, care and concern that other people are not willing to give or don't understand how to give. Mm -hmm. And so, really, I'm not in any rush. Like, we were talking about marriage earlier, and it's like, I don't really care for marriage. And it's not that I don't, it's not because I don't care for commitment. I I think commitment is beautiful. I think loyalty and fidelity are, are cornerstones of not only romantic relationship, but friendships. Um, but marriage is, like, marriage as an institution is a it's a business proposition 
<laughs> you Say know? it. It's a it's a business proposition. Like yes, and you know, no shade on. I'm I'm about to be in uh, beautiful Italy in in a few weeks. A word. Uh, for my buddy's wedding. Nice. Yeah, really psyched for that. Love you, Dan and Nina. Um, so no shade on on marriage, because you know people do love each other, and that is the step that they decide to take. Mm-hmm. I just mean for me personally, as the overthinker and thinker that I am, you know. My my dad is a fucking historian. Like, how could I not? You know, I understand. You know, I I knew a, I knew what a dowry was before I even knew I was attracted to girls. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like I was that kid. Like, I could tell you, I could tell you about all of Henry the Ace wives before you know I hit puberty. But you know, y- you look back historically, and we were talking about this with with the idea of women's rights as well. You look back historically, and Marriage is a business proposition. Women are property for lots of men in lots of cultures, you know? And then, you know, with the idea of dowry, like they're not even they're not even enough to say, Oh, this woman and I can start can start a life. No, I actually need this bag of gold, three pigs, a goat, and that horse over there. You know, like so you realize that like like one of my favorite and people will probably you know, people who know me who are listening to this will probably be like, oh, God, this nigga on this shit again. But Go in. you can't, you can't, you can't grow edible fruit from rotten roots. You can't grow a healthy tree from rotten roots. And so when these things, when you have these years and years and centuries of, I guess, misunderstanding of, of the human condition and manipulation of the human condition... You you have now where shit is, it seems at some time at some points really really out of whack, like just so, so incredibly surreal. And and yet, all too real at the same time. And points at which history repeats itself, all again due to people who don't understand love or what love is or how to love themselves. Um, or how to create anything out of love. Um, again, you know, we, we're back at another at a point that we've been for many, many years. I had some people get sort of annoyed with me uh, a while ago because I I misspoke, um, rightfully so. But um, we were talking about the detention center situation, ICE detention centers, and mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, I, I understand." But also, people have have been in cages since 1619 in this country, and I didn't mean to be dismissive, and I I do regret those words because this shit is just out of hand. Um, but also, again, I understand history, and this is this isn't a point that we've not ever been at before. In fact, I, I think I maybe have said this to you before, like Donald Trump for me, and this whole kind of sick web of, of co-conspirators he has, they just shine a light on the fact that we've always been at this place. We've always been here. Uh, what is it? About 80 years ago now? Uh, Japanese internment? 19, World War Two. World War Two. You know? Like, this is... We've always been at this point. Mm-hmm. 
we've always been at this point where we've needed to subjugate someone, where we've needed to make examples of people because this is a society that is built on like a mentality of like of lack that you have to manipulate scarcity and make people think there's not enough of things for them and that they've got to get theirs and before everybody else does like every everybody's working on the zero sum principle you know mm-hmm. and i just i again it's, it comes back to the love thing like i I refuse to bite on that. I refuse to believe that anymore, that there's not enough, mm-hmm. you know, that there's not enough time. That, you know, I'm going back to marriage, that like I'm running, I'm getting too old, that I'm running out of time. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, every like everything begins in the mind, like I said. like, And I, I just, I get tired. I get really tired of uh, being boxed in by thought, you know? If we get to to this point where we're thinking abundantly, so many things become possible. What happens when we really start creating a world based on love and equity? Like, Like, we have all these really nice things now. Imagine what we could create when we start creating out of love. No more yeah. fear, because we think about it, all that the uh, the, inter- the camps, you know, they're trying to build a, a tent city mm-hmm. for these uh, for the illegal immigrants, right? I love the quote they say, uh, "No one's is illegal on stolen land." Yeah, love that. But I feel like all these things are are just agents of fear. Like Trump is an agent of fear. Mm-hmm. All that is just an agent of fear. So it's like once peace can like surpass that and you say to do things through love and with love to see where we can go. Right. Because uh, I remember uh, seeing uh, the whole Melania Trump situation. Yeah. She wore that jacket. Now, the jacket in itself is some punk shit. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it is exactly, that's the funniest part of it. It's punk shit. It's like being against the establishment and all that. Mm-hmm. So when she wore that jacket, like it was, a, she, you could wear that jacket whenever you want. Well, it's different if you're the first lady, but if you're gonna wear that jacket at that time to go handle that kind of, kind of a business, people were saying it was just a jacket. But for me, I feel like that was like her subconscious, kind of like yo. Yeah, but also the thing is like, I gotta be honest. I don't need her to tell me she don't care. You already know. You yeah, like know. I mean, why am I? That's that's the thing. Like they, it's it's that it's that emotional vampirism that people are too easily being sucked into with with Trump, and that's why I don't I give him as little attention as possible because I I don't know not to toot my own horn, but I I've I've never not known what time it is, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't think anybody can really afford to not know what time it is. Um, you know, that being said, people come to things when they come to things and they have different entry points, so I'm not shaming nobody, but I, for me personally, I've always known what time it is. Um, so, like, getting being riled up over a jacket or, you know, people who 
prey on your who who very openly prey on your fear. Like there's at a certain point, it's not even like it's not even finesse. There's not even any charisma to it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, oh, let me dangle this in front of you all. Get get excited, like you know that whatever. It's whatever. It's whatever. Like I'm I just I can't let that shit distract me anymore. There's 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 stuff that I want to do. There are the people that I believe in. There are the people that I care for. There are other people that I care for. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. And I got to focus on those folks. I got to focus on what I can do for them and not you know, like destroy and rebuild, you know? You can't Destruction is kind of like, destruction and, and creation are, they're tied, you know? Opposites are really just uh, two ends of the same spectrum. Like birth and death is the same thing. Right, yeah. right. Um, but like if we're always, we're always focused on the destruction part. We're always focused on how to bring something down. And what if the ways to bring things down is to create new things simultaneously? What if those actions are, what's the word, concomitant? They happen at the same time. What if that's the way? You know, we're, you know, which again I think goes back to that point we were saying about like, where is the restorative practice in this stuff? Like, why is everything so focused on the punitive aspect? Like, where are we making a space? Where are we, you know, raising? the land and clearing plots to build this new world are we is that what anyone wants really you know i, I don't fucking know i don't i don't know i don't know anything man i just i just know what 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 feels best for me right now and i think you know that's the that's my loving practice self-love and and uh, otherwise is like if it doesn't feel good right now i don't want it so let me ask you this question then. Yeah. Since you're on that level, in this place. So what point in your life did you know or learn how to, how to really love yourself? And in what ways did you do it? And do you continue to do it? I think that's interesting. I think, um, I think it's a process. I think maybe the 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 cornerstone of that pro- or the maybe the jumping off point of that process is kind of uh is funny and and sort of it's a story that was rough for me um but I think you know that I lived in London for a little bit going to school and thinking that I would um, make a lot of money and um, be able to pay off my loan and mm-hmm. um, find this place in the art world and all this stuff. And I guess midway through through school, I was kind of radicalized by a professor that I had um, and some classes that I had that encouraged me to think about the world a lot differently. And um, London was a struggle for me. I had just gotten out of a relationship um, and I was I was like you in New Orleans I was alone 
to a certain extent. I was without I was without my support system. I wasn't alone, but I was with I was very far from my support system, and um, I was living with a group of people who I now realize wouldn't have wouldn't have taken me seriously even if I did all the right things by then. Um, but one night I dropped acid and I, I stayed up all night. It was very weird. I couldn't sleep. Strange thing. And I started noticing all these cues. It was like seeing demons. It was like seeing people for who they really were. And little things kept happening. It was kind of like a, it, it gained momentum. And yeah, it wasn't that anything so terrible happened. It was just that I was like, I was seeing shit, obviously, because you're on acid, but I was seeing their faces and I would look directly at them and I'd be like, what the fuck, am, wait, am I seeing this right? And the person's face would literally look different, evil. And I made the decision to leave. I left. And I, I, took, I took the things that I needed. Um, it's funny. I, 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 look at, I think about the items that I took, because I still have some of them. Um, basic gray champion hoodie. Uh, <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies jacket, old school Phillies jacket. My Air Jordan 1s. Um, my computer, my personal documents, um, some pictures, a couple other things. And I just dipped. Uh, I used airline miles to get a flight back. I got a hotel um, for my, I, like luckily I was always almost running around almost dead broke. Either like, I was run, always running around like, flush with like some refund money or just dead ass broke there was almost no in between um and because i was you know because i wasn't practicing self-love you know i was like really over medicating or self-medicating um drinking a lot smoking a lot of weed um but that decision to say nah i'm out of here was hard for me and it took a very long time to realize the impact of that but but seeing people for who they were and seeing that if I stay here, there is a chance that I may not leave here alive. Mm. That was, I think that was the very beginning of, of me coming to a space of greater self-love. And then, you know, it, again, it's a process. So several things happened uh, over the course of me being back. I bounced around and sort of wasn't, was living various places, but I just moved back with my parents because I love them and they love me and they're old and it's good for me to be with them. It's good for me to be around them. Um, and I guess, it, you know, it's weird. Like people think that's maybe sort of strange, but again, I, I've never, like, I've always gotten such positive things from them that it's important. And I spent so much time either in London or in DC before that, too far from my support group and too far from people who really cared for me that I think 
I'll take I'll take the time and and go slow now. It was like it was it was a lot like being reborn. You know, people um, people say kind of that like I guess life works in like eighteen year cycles, and I'm 36 now, so it's like my second childhood because I'm I'm feeling differently and and more open and more aware and more willing to be vulnerable. Like I there was a lot of times where I wanted people to see me a certain way. So I was holding back the truth mm-hmm. of who I am. But now I see that I tell people who I am very openly. And for me, I don't it doesn't matter if they like it or not. It has, you know, it's just about them knowing the truth of who I am and me living that truth. But I notice how many people respond to it and how many people respond to someone who's willing to be vulnerable and willing to say, I'm human just like you and I have the same problems you do. I'm just willing to say it. and I'm just willing to like bear my soul. Um, but yeah, um, that process led me to start doing therapy, like I said. And um, it was one of those things that my mom had always suggested to me and I was just like what the fuck ever whatever man mm-hmm. you know or like um also taking up like meditative practice it's one of those things I blew off for a long time because you know as a as an anxious person you also always think that you know best about what you're supposed to be doing even if it's shaming yourself for what you haven't done or what you can't uh, prepare for in the future necessarily um, but those, those things have led me to, I think, become, start to become a more open and more honest person with myself and with others. Mm-hmm. Um, a person who's less afraid or understands how to, how to overcome the obstacle of fear. You know, that fearlessness isn't necessarily being absent, having fear as, as absent from your from your thought process it's continuing the thought process mm-hmm. through the fear working through it um so yeah though i think you know i guess what was that uh 2000 july 2013 oddly enough my mo- right on my mom's birthday my mom's birthday is uh july 1st um, and that was kind of like the start of me being reborn, I guess. So you moved back in 2013. Mm-hmm. So me and you moved back to the city at the same time. I mean, not the same month, but like within the same mm-hmm. season. Because mm-hmm. I came back um, August 20th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Those things aren't by mistake. Because nah. I, here's the thing about it. During that time period, with loving myself, I, my mother says I'm, I'm hard on myself. Hmm. You know, I put so much pressure on myself. But I try to explain to her that, yeah, I don't know any other way. Hmm. Because I feel like if I don't put pressure on myself, everyone else will. Hmm. You know, that's, that's how I always felt. Because um, I was in New Orleans for that time period. I didn't like how everything started to change. 
Or rather, these things were always there, maybe. But I didn't see them until it was smacked right down my face. And it was so much of the outside world that tended to affect all that I had. My relationship, me, and just... It's something worse than feeling like you have everything together. You know, it's like you have everything, you got it planned. Like I'm moving down here for this relationship. I'm doing, I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Then it all falls apart on yeah, you. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's what happened for me in London, you know? At, whether that was kind of positive things falling apart, mm-hmm. like, un, like understanding myself in a different way politically, you know, understanding that uh, I don't know how much I feel like I should be spending my time working in the fine art market because these people think I'm a fucking clown. Mm-hmm. They think I'm a little puppet to, tra- you know, drag out for for the for the company, or you know, things that were less that felt less empowering at the time, like losing people who I thought were friends. Who I thought, it, and you know, that was again. That was goes back to that thing I was talking about, where people are wanting to be loved and wanting to be accepted and wanting um, to feel something from other people that they're overextending, and anybody, you know, they're they're not be, they're 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 harming their their ability to judge character because they want so bad to be a part of something or to have someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but all those things, I, all those things are what needed to happen, right? Nothing, again, like I just said, nothing, nothing's a mistake. Nothing's a mistake. It's just, do you decide to learn from it or do you dwell in it? Do you let it, do you let it eat you? Uh, and I did let it eat me for a long time. It took it took a long time, maybe not that long, but it took some time, and things take time. Um, but yeah, it's about making a choice. You know, I think a lot of it, it comes, it's 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 a really difficult thing to 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 process, especially when you first start maybe doing a course of therapy or or reading a bit more whatever reading different things but the idea that like most of your suffering is caused by you you're the common denominator in your suffering not that it's all your fault but that the things that are that you make difficult or that you let be difficult in your life are due to a choice that you've made are due to the ways that you're thinking. And if you're moving from a mentality of lack as opposed to abundance, thinking I can't, thinking no, it won't work, no, that's bad, I'm not good enough, I can't, I'm not smart enough, I'm, you know, I'm not tall enough, whatever. Things will, things will, you're already seeding things not to go your way, right? You're already making things more difficult. The universe works mentally. Uh, and that's the realest shit I've ever heard in my life, you know. And once, and once 
you take stock of that and kind of bring that into your thinking, the more you begin to notice it. I do little things every day, you know, just to just to keep my keep my spirits high and, and keep my mind sharp. But I, I'm I'm into color. I think people that follow me on Instagram notice that. Um, but I'm really into like uh, color and resonance. So if I'm wearing something, if I'm wearing a really bright color, or a or something kind of sig- significant, um, I always look around, and it's and it helps me to practice awareness and presence. I always look around to see how many times that's imitated in other people or just in my surroundings Mm -hmm. and very often that I find I find when I'm focused on that when I'm like this hat say if I'm looking at like how many other people have on a vibrant blue color I see that it's quite a lot of people sometimes or if I have on you know camo pants I'm looking around and I'm saying oh wow there's a lot of people wearing camo today and you know maybe it's just that Camo is popular or people like blue or whatever. Mm-hmm. But also it's, again, it's about what you focus on becomes a reality. You know, mm-hmm. the words you, the words you speak become the house you live in. You said I think you that's had bars coming not in. me, not me. I think that's Hafiz, but you know, shout out to the Sufis. But yeah, it's all that shit is real. Like, I think we were just saying like, I, I know we're, we're, we've been talking for a Yeast a long time, but yeah, but it's been good though. So yeah, yeah, but I think it's one of those things where you you begin to realize that a lot of those like the kind of platitudes that people always throw around, a lot of them have like people kind of we we use them so mindlessly, but a lot of times it's right and the truth is right in your face, and a lot of those things have real significance, you know. Like a lot of little idioms and just the things that, you know, you hear all the time, day in and day out, mm-hmm. they have a lot of significance. And it's, it's like you said, if you're, you could be reading a book and you're reading it, but are you really paying attention to what it's telling you? And that's, again, that goes back to being present and aware. Dude. <laughs> so early in the year and, you know, I'm, because I've been, you know, out of my situation for a while, been in the city for years. Yeah. And, you know, dating-wise in the city has been like, whatever. So I don't care, right? Yeah. It's just been that whatever. So I was on Instagram, and I noticed that my ex had followed me, right? And, you know, I hit her back, and I was like, the hell? Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, right. So yeah. She's like, yo, I'm saying what's up, see how you doing? I just added, you know, you just added me as on, you know, Instagram. We're still cool now on Instagram. Yeah. And but I immediately went into DEFCON five. Like, if you ever seen the movie, um, or any movie involving submarines. Yeah, where the where the, the light the red lights start <laughs> flashing, yeah, you like, <laughs> oh hell nah. What's yeah. going on? Like, yeah. yo, yo, up periscope, down periscope, <laughs> we diving. We got we got to watch our asses now. Yeah, ready the torpedoes. Right, you know what I mean. And I I knew I knew that she wasn't there for anything negative, but it was just like I haven't spoken to you for so long, the way that I wanted to, yeah. and to see you now, it's like it was different. She has a whole new relationship now. Everything's going well for her. Shout out. Yeah. But I just, in my mind, I was just like, what the, f- what's going on here? Right. I was I was yeah. I was trying to figure out. 
I ran through every possible scenario ever. It was like that scene in Avengers um, Infinity War where like they asked Doctor Strange, like, is there a way we can win the war? He sits there and says, I just went through 14 million ways. It's only only one way we can win. <laughs> and I was like, I, I went through that. And what you mentioned earlier about like being accountable for everything. Like some of the problems you have, things that you bring to you. Yeah. You know, the way you're thinking. Yeah. And that was part of my own personal healing process. Mm. When I admitted to myself that as much as I was angry at her for certain things, I wasn't really angry at her at all. Yeah. It was just that how I was. Yeah. Made me upset. Yeah. I didn't know, and I was upset at myself more so because I didn't know how to deal yeah. With things. I didn't, I didn't know how to talk mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. Because I went in there. I'm going to tell you something, bro. Like, I'm packing things now. It's done a wonder for me. Because back then, I went into that relationship like it's my parents' relationship. Yeah. Or how my grandparents' relationship was. Like, this got to be this way. This got to be that way. Yeah. And boom. Yeah. But that... And I, that poisoned me, you know. And I'm not saying what, how their relationships were was like was bad, were bad because they weren't. But I just felt like this is how it has to be because that's how I've seen it work before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could have a functioning relationship function by letting it just be right. what it is. Right. Because because what happens though in this is reflected in my own experiences as well, mm-hmm. is that you devalue the person that you're with because you make them an object. Come on now. You make them an object and not and not a human being who's liable to change. Right. And so what was difficult for me losing my own relationship was that like I had built I had created a story, I had created a narrative of what was gonna happen and how things would look and how life would look. And I'd lost it. And I, I was, I was up Shiz Creek. I had no idea what to do. And I, I had, and I had lost various things. You know, I'd lost various things that I believed would would be parts of what my life looked like. You know, but I think people, um, you know, in various religious traditions, they call that removing the veil. Um, and I think in Buddhism, there's. Um, the seven veils of seven veils of illusion or something like that and the, which you have to remove each or lift each one to mm-hmm. um, proceed to enlightenment um, and yeah I think that the beginning of that you know I'm really thankful that 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 all of that happened now because I had to have those veils removed I had to have them lifted same here I'm going to tell you a conversation that occurred. It was random as hell. But it was one of those things that when the universe speaks to you, but you choose to ignore it. Because mm-hmm. like, in my mind, it was like, yo, if I know what's going to happen, I'm like, no, I know what's up. It is, it is what it is, whatever. Mm-hmm. So one day I was in the streetcar, coming home from work late at night. And this may have been the day that the cop had pulled me over for walking down the street mm. at night. That's, the, that's another story. Mm. So I'm on the streetcar, and 
the conductor, I've seen her a couple times. She was asking me questions. How you doing? I'm doing all right. And she said, so uh, your relationship, you need to fix it. I said, no, nah, I ain't fix nothing, man. It's over. It's a wrap, man. Whatever, whatever. That was like, you know, I'm in my bag. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking I know everything. Yeah. I obviously didn't. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, man, I, ain't, I can't fix nothing. It's over. It's a wrap. Yeah. So that was it, and I got off of it. And I go back. Whenever I was, like, going through my, my depressed moments, mm-hmm. you know, putting on my my favorite, uh, one of my favorite, like, depressed Drake songs, song from here, from the uh, Nothing With The Same album, yeah. sitting in my chair, I'm like, why don't I listen to that lady on the trolley? And I'm like, that, but that, and that was also something that I learned, out, by the way, too, is that I needed to listen more and talk less. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. Like, I had to really understand that, listen, when the universe talks to you, you listen. Yeah. Without you trying to be all like, no, nah, I got it, I got it, I can do it, I can do it. Yeah. But that comes from me being like, yo, just fighting for being a fighter, period. Like just trying to fight for my own independence, people trying to tell me what to do. I'm like, I like let me live. You know, yeah. but that moment like like was like, yo, go with the flow. Like and you said every, we said earlier. Yeah, and everybody likes to believe that they're the complete mas- the complete and utter master of their own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the most part, you are, but also you forget that your life is also intertwined with every other living thing in the universe, in the universe itself. Yes. Right? So. That's what I love also, about Also, New Orleans, thing. bro. Like, New Orleans is just a heavy place, and there's a lot of, um, there's interesting energy in New Orleans. And so, that you got that there. Listen. There's some very interesting energy in New Orleans. New Orleans, the energy there had changed me. Yeah. In a way that it was, it was refreshing. Yeah. Because I left Philly, and being in Philly, I just felt like I had to leave. I had I had to get out of town because yeah. I've been here for so long. And it was like you were playing the same stages from Mario, the first Mario. <laughs> you beat it a hundred times. There's no secret doors. There's a run up the steps, jump over the gap, up more steps, jump, hit the flag, and now you're going there. You won. So that's how it was for me in Philly. Mm. And just the love, like I couldn't, nothing seemed to work for me here. Mm-hmm. It could have been me projecting that. Nothing will work for me here. But I felt like it was a dead end. I got, I got a dip. So yeah. when she told me she was going in for, for, for law school, I said, yo, I said, this girl serious. I'll make that move. And I was focused on that shit. Mm-hmm. Many things could have gotten my way, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. So I dipped up, got my stuff, and I dipped. I was gone. Yeah. Being in that city, I felt like a brand new human being. Because yeah. I didn't have Philly around me. I didn't have people who knew me around me. Mm-hmm. I was in a brand new place. I made friends like it was nothing, you know. But while I was like finding myself in the city, like yeah, I'm I'm feeling myself a bit. I was also losing myself at the same time. Yeah. Yep. So there was that moment, and because I eventually said I probably would move back down there to New Orleans because if I go back down there, I know how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Now like, I I enjoyed the energy of the of the city. Yeah. You know, I would go down there and just vibe out and do things my way. 
versus me going down there, I was doing too much. I had a relationship, but I was also down there like trying to live a life that I didn't think I had. Yeah. You know? So yeah. that goes also goes into self-love because me not knowing myself or love myself correctly, I allowed myself to just like ride a wave that I didn't need to ride. Yep. Yeah. I, I can relate. I you know what relate. I'm saying? Yeah. And you don't know, like what's that uh old school saying? It's like there's no lesson like a bought lesson. <laughs> mm. I I bought mine tenfold. Yeah. So I got back here, it was just, it was what it was. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm I survived it. And I see how important love is on a bigger scale because of those, of those instances. Yeah. Because of me having to fall on my ass in such a major way yeah. that climbing back up and seeing the sun for what it is made all the difference. I go outside now and I got love for every person that I see. Like when they, um, I want to do things differently from how I did them, because I wasn't fucking with everybody growing up. Because like you know, you come from certain neighborhoods, like you doing that with them, what? Yeah. Out of here, yeah. you, you this, you weird, blah blah blah. So now I'm like, I'm at a point where I try to support everybody in a way of showing them love, yeah. in a way of embracing everyone who embraces me in in a truthful way, in an honest way. And that's why I, I tend to, I'm on this journey now to understand what love is in my personal life and on, on, on in, in the world around me. Because like you said, look, marriage, look, marriage is cool and all, but like I feel like a lot of times it's more so about the ring than the actual relationship. And how someone says, oh, the ring ain't, ain't big enough it means you don't love someone enough. What? You know, you see these things and we're having big weddings and all that. And all you want, all I ever wanted was to have someone that I could count on to hold my back and I got theirs. I think that's all anyone ever wants at, at, the, at the root. That's it. That's, what, that's all people really want anyway. Mm -hmm. We're just... Uh, not to overdrake this, but we're too far gone. Facts. You know, like we're, you know, we're we're at a weird point um, in history, in human history. Mm -hmm. um, we're gonna have to de-escalate some things, I think. Uh, um, it's it scares me a little bit. I worry about I worry about children, and I worry about the examples that we're setting for younger people. Um, and you know, again, I can't oh I can't plague myself with that, but I I do um, because again, you know, what world are we perpetuating? Um, if people like people like Trump our lessons to the rest of us. It's like those things that we've both experienced where the universe is speaking to you, mm -hmm. where it's plucking your goddamn ear, really. 
and it and it's saying, are are you gonna learn from this, or are you gonna keep on the same course, right? Are we going to learn from the fact that history repeats itself in the form of uh, incarcerating uh, a certain group of Americans? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going to learn from our mistakes when it comes to senseless wars? Are we going to learn from our mistakes when it comes to gun control? when it comes to certain folks' rights, you know? Like, we've, we've always been at these places. We've been at these places many, many thousands of times, infinite times even. Um, so yeah, I sometimes worry that it may get a lot worse before it gets better. But also, there's the fact that I don't, it's not about worrying, you know? Like I said, um, I can only, I, the, the work is in doing personal work and being the best person you can be and projecting that outward. Um, I'm a quote machine, but you know, if, if you touch one thing with great awareness, you touch everything with great awareness, you know? Bars. Yeah. Krishnamurti, I think. And, or maybe, um, I don't know, sorry to uh, the holy ones if I misattributed that. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, if you're doing one thing with, with deep awareness, it, it resonates because, again, it just goes back to that whole thing of interconnectedness. You know, we're all here pretty much trying to do the same thing. We just have, you know, different ways of going about it, radically different even. Um, it reminds me I need to be more forgiving. Yeah. As well. Yeah. As do I. That's but one of the few things. These I things are. This is. It's, it's a. It's a process. Everything's process. Like that's probably that's. I know. I think that's part of the problem. Like we're so we're such a goal oriented society, and there's nothing wrong with having goals, but you know everything becomes a target to hit, mm-hmm. not and not the way that you move every day, you know. Um. You know what you mentioned about the universe, like speaking to us. You know what I wish I had. Do you remember um, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time? Yes. Remember how Link had that fairy? Yeah, like, yeah. Yo, listen. Yeah. I need that sometimes. Yeah. Like yo, walking around like man. Listen. What? Oh, word. All right, cool. I need to check myself. Thank you. Keep moving. Yeah, but you know that you see you do have that. That's what you just you just have to cultivate it. And that's what like being present does for you and, and being aware. You mm-hmm. see signs. You see the things that tell you, yes, keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep doing that work, you know? Um, I think that, yeah, I think that's really important for me because I'm a, I'm a very unorthodox person. Like, I, I'm about doing what's good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and only that more than ever. And a lot of that means having to like, listen to what a lot of people say about my life and say, all right, cool, but that's your opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just your opinion, you know? Um, 
because ultimately I'm the one that has to carry this weight of, you know, of myself and my decisions. And so really it's, it's really about doing what makes the most sense, what feels right for me at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of that is just staying, staying aware and staying present and realizing that like, you don't have to compare yourself to anyone. I think that's the crazy thing that like this Instagram culture makes people do. Mm-hmm. That whole FOMO thing, it it's it preys on people's anxiety. It preys on people's feeling and and fear that that they'll never be accepted by other people. That they'll always be abandoned. Mm-hmm. And we have to actively resist that. You know, we can enjoy these things. We can enjoy all these nice things. But we have to, you know, remember not to lose ourselves amidst all these nice things. I'm reading uh, this book, No Logo, right now, which is really good. Naomi Klein, who's talking about uh, just the the multi-prong attack of late capitalism mm-hmm. and how, like, it just it's it's everywhere. It is so it's it's. It's literally the matrix, you know? The matrix isn't made up necessarily of ones and zeros, it's dollar signs. Um, but she, there's one part where she's saying, you know, it's not really like, there's nothing radical about like going to Disney World and like dropping acid and like, you know, giving the finger to Mickey. It's radical to go to Disney World and with the understanding that Disney is fucking evil and corrupt and praying, preys on people and take that understanding, but also enjoy your time there thoroughly. Because I mean, honestly, like, who want, who even wants to hear that anymore? Like, who wants to hear people that are like stridently, you know, deriding people for the fact that they're like trying to live their lives and have fun mm-hmm. and enjoy them in the ways that they see fit? Nobody's hearing that shit. You're not like, you're not radical for that. like. Nobody needs you to shake your, to wag your finger at them anymore. You know, people are people may not make decisions that you agree with, or even that you think are fucking stupid. I mean, there's a lot of things that I, people do that I think are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it's not my place to say you're a fucking idiot for that. <laughs> you know, right? It's not my place to be like, what the fuck are you thinking? I'll be hilarious, but at the same time, right? Like, you know, right? And it's a waste of my energy. It zaps my energy. Like, fuck that. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's liberating. I like it. It's cool. I can say I don't know. Uh, I just know the way that that is working best for me. That, that seems and feels the healthiest and the most pure. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to rock out with that. That's real, yo. Yeah. Just got to walk in love. Step light, step lovingly. Yeah, I swear, every time we've done a show, it's like, it becomes therapeutic in many a way. That's lit. Yeah, and I think that's what I wanted, why I wanted to have the show, because I wanted to be able to just, to discuss love and just to discuss all that comes with it. You know, we tend to see it as like, yeah, there are these days like Valentine's Day where like people try to monetize love mm-hmm. or, or give love a mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. Like this big red heart and that's what love is. 
love is very, very complex. To me, love is like the Chinese alphabet. Hmm. You know, we tend to think, our, we only have 26 letters, that's all it is. But meanwhile, Chinese alphabet has like, what, 26,000 characters? Something, yeah. Yeah, like it's, it's that complex. Iceberg theory, you know? There's what you see, there's what's apparent, and then there's what's under the surface, which is right. eight, nine, ten times bigger and more massive and more complex and yeah because i mean i've seen like it's like those uh, situations where you see relationships and the people are young and in love i love her she loves me and it's like the end of love or what they define as love is just like so it's like so it's filled with saccharine <laughs> it's just Syrupy. It's it's so it's so sweet. It makes your teeth hurt and you get disgusted in your gut. Like, ugh, what is this? Yeah, you're like, okay, okay, right. But then, like two months later, I hate him. I hate her. That's because you treated the idea of love, like you said, as an object. Something that you have. Oh, we got love. Y'all don't. We're happy. But it's. People tend to learn that love isn't just something you put on, you know? It isn't like, like a shirt you just put on and wear it and, you know, and take it off like it's nothing. Like, no, it's... It's work. Yeah. Yes. It's work. Work. And that's Bell Hooks again saying that. Like, love is about work. Like, love is about working constantly. Um, it's work, man. And it's not, it's not necessarily like something to be afraid of because, you know, if you're, if, if you're willing, if you want to be committed, like that's, that's work that you will gladly take up for someone. Right. And, you know, it's, it's work in, in romantic relationships, it's work in friendships, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a process of work and, uh. I don't know. I think um, I tend to think, you know, we we talk a lot in society about like hard work and like, you know, hustling and all this shit and having responsibilities. But I don't think people really want responsibility. I don't think people like responsibility. That's why I think people are so inclined to fall in line. Because if you are if you have somebody telling you what to do, you're not really responsible for the outcomes necessarily less risk involved right mm -hmm. so to like live by your own decisions to live by your own choices you could fuck up you could fall flat on your ass it's like while we yeah. have more people in the workforce like more people in workforces than we have entrepreneurs mm -hmm. is that reason right I mean and you know there's also the fact that this country makes it incredibly different to be an entrepreneur but yeah I mean yeah, I don't. I don't know how much people are are really inclined to it, to working hard and having responsi to truly working hard and having responsibility. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't like. I don't even know what hard work means. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, does it mean you're sitting at your off in your office for twelve hours a day or something? Like, slaving over something for someone else? Yep. So your hands hurt and your brain yeah, like, farts out and you're just you're sitting like a zombie. Yeah. I don't know what the point of that is. 
you know i don't have i don't have shit but like i think i've lived pretty well mm-hmm. you know it's not that i'm averse to hard work but i think there's some things that um the things that are truly for you are going to be there for you regardless of how hard you work for them and the things that aren't for you you can never attain them mm-hmm. no matter what you do yeah so much knowledge today that has been shared with the world. It's been fun. It's been fun. Because, look, I will go on for an hour more, but yeah. I realize, like, attention spans. Yeah, ain't nobody going to listen to this shit. If, if we talk it for four hours, we chop it up into, what, five episodes? Right, shit. like chapter one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're going to cut it off now. But before, you know, I turn the recording off, fam. Lasting thoughts on love. Mm, It's a decision. It's a choice. And it's about you saying yes where you previously said no. Uh, And it starts with you saying yes to yourself. You know, you can't, you can't get what you need from anyone else but yourself. So um, cherish the relationship that you have with your own person um, and then project outward. It's really the only way. It's absolutely the only way forward. Uh, Maybe not the only way. But projecting outward. But yeah. So I think after today's conversation, I want to do my best to be a better person, a better, more of a loving person. You know, some things out there that are like, I have to acknowledge and be more forgiving of. Mm-hmm. You know, even if, if the person, you know, is, you know, still doing the same nonsense that they're doing, I can't allow that feeling to keep me, to make me a prisoner. Yeah. You know, and I, uh, dude. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about this love shit is that it's not an overnight thing. Nah. It is a journey. It'll take you through, like, some fire. It'll take you, you know, into the deepest of seas while you're struggling for oxygen, and it can take you, you know, into the most beautiful places on Earth. But it's rewarding. It's very rewarding. It's rewarding, man. Yeah, man. I. It feels good to come from not really understanding how to love yourself to knowing very much what you need and what you want and what you desire. Mm-hmm. Focusing on that. So, man. Thank you, brother. For Thank you. In. It's always it's always good. It's always good to talk. And it's always good to project the world that we want to be a part of out into the world that exists, you know? Facts. So I don't, I never take this opportunity lightly. I'm glad that you came through, man. Also, a side note, I said thank you, brother. It's like an old man. I really, I really am an old man out here, man, with some of the things I say and some of my, like, 
it's it's just crazy how the things I picked up from like the older generation. Like, thank you, brother. Thank you kindly, mm-hmm. brother. You know, hey, you good over there, brother? Hey, but they're the good things, right? Yeah, it's good things, positive things, yeah. bro. Positive affirmations and all that stuff there. So before I end this episode, I want to say thanks to my main man for coming by. And for all those who are listening, if you can't take your time, look in the mirror, look at yourself, and just say that you love yourself for who you are, all of your flaws. And if there are anything, if there is anything in your life that you want to change, work on it. Set small goals for yourself. Girl, shit. Do what you do what you need to do. And most importantly, I think no matter how dire the straits become, never give up on yourself. Do what you can to maintain a grip on who you are. Even if that requires going to therapy, because I think I definitely need to check that out eventually. But yeah, do all that you can to keep yourself alive. Yeah. And that's, that's the best thing I can say. And Use this podcast episode, if you can, as a helping hand, if you ever need it. Yeah. All right? So there we go. Boom, pal, surprise. Episode 30 of the Weird is the New Black show is completed. 30 for 30. Burger. We did it.